Welcome to the Newsbusters podcast with your host, executive editor of Newsbusters, Tim Graham. Hello and welcome as stories are breaking on this Monday. Donald Trump and his lawyers are squabbling with the judge in his New York civil trial. And the Nashville mass shooter manifesto, the transgender mass killer, it has leaked. But first, we have to take a minute to witness the anger and the anxiety in the media over the latest polls. Specifically, the New York Times finding Trump is comfortably ahead of Biden in five of the six big battleground states. Yes, tough news for Biden, they said on ABC. Well, it's tough news for the journalists. Joining me to discuss this and other subjects today, Bill D'Agostino, senior research analyst and video editor. Welcome, Bill. What's up, Tim? Now, my biggest amusement may be reserved for John Meacham on Morning Joe, who Uh-oh. said with a straight face, Biden's not on trial here. I think we are. Well, that's, <laughs> that's a really good line, John. You should put it in a speech. <laughs> the Biden speechwriter says you need to vote for Biden. It's a test of our citizenship. It's kind of a new layer on vote for the Democrats or you're not for democracy. Yep. Or, or it's a, a different iteration of it. The latest, yeah, the latest model. And then I was personally amused. Same show, Morning Joe. They they said, here's Larry Sabato from the Nonpartisan Center for Politics at the University of Virginia. The Nonpartisan Center for Politics. Yeah, okay, sure. Yeah. It, I think the nonpartisan has an, a, a lowercase n. Mm-hmm. I think the title of this, this thing is the Center for Politics. No, I know. But the but Center for Politics at, what is it? UVA. UVA, yeah, no. What's always uh-uh. hilarious about that, of course, is then Larry Sabato proceeds to say, you know, uh, the Republicans, you know, are going to be trashed in the history books and they'll deserve it and nobody should vote for them ever again. Oh, thanks for your nonpartisan he, take. He said nonpartisanly. <laughs> Yeah, no, whenever the media introduce anything as nonpartisan, you can guarantee, or somebody as hailing from some nonpartisan organization, you can guarantee that what's about to come out of their mouth is very close to a Democrat talking point. Well, let's, before I get into election denial, because that's where yeah, yeah. I really want to have some fun. Sure. Uh, there's just, Joey Vasquez has been doing some stuff on this in Newsbusters, and that is this this whole idea of Somehow the voters just don't understand how great the economy is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had commented on a clip from Kristen Soltis Anderson, who is a Republican pollster, but she's the kind of Republican analyst all the networks like. An ostensibly Republican pollster. Yeah. <laughs> and she was, what, how, how did she put it? She said, voters don't feel it. Well, she said, uh, yeah, if Americans continue to feel that prices are going up, that's bad for Biden. And that is the closest anybody will get to saying that inflation is still a problem and prices are skyrocketing and that everybody's savings account is taking a massive hit from this. And the mortgage rates are at all-time high, at least modern in the modern era. It's like 8%. I mean, that's probably the worst indicator they've got. And yes, people in America sometimes aspire to buy a house or a different house. Um, they're calling it the golden handcuffs now. You know, some of us have a a mortgage rate under three percent because of COVID. Right. You're not moving. No, ever. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, uh, but there's a whole series of these. You know, Joey's picking on Paul Krugman, who's 
shooting what fish, else is new we fish like, in a barrel we like joey around here joey <laughs> joey's got some thoughts on paul krugman let's just put it that way <laughs> but they're all saying no guys the economy is great they're trying to do that and there are certain things like the unemployment rate is low you know, you can find a couple of things where you'd say that's not bad. The unemployment rate is low, so is the labor participation rate, but okay. That's right. And so it, it's it's funny to hear them try to say, well, people don't feel it yet, but they'll come around. Give it time. There's a year away. And it reminds me, Bill, you wouldn't remember this at all because you're a nice young American. Uh, oh, in, 19, in 1992, it was we reversed it. The economy was growing. It was beginning to come out of recession for George H.W. Bush. And, you know, the news media would go, here in New Hampshire, Peter, they still think it sucks. Right. There is no hope for Bush. And they mocked him. Rich Noyes would always bring up this. Is uh, Bush, George and Barbara Bush had gone to the J.C. Penney's in Frederick or something. Sure. Because they were at Camp David. And he bought socks at the J.C. Penney's and they all mocked him. For buying socks at the JCPenney's to grow the economy. Yeah, because what what else, right? I got the tube socks here. Hey, uh, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's the thing. The thing with all of this is, obviously, they're never going to admit that the economy is in bad shape under a Democrat, and so now the line is, well, things are improving, right? And that kind of makes everybody who's been paying attention for a long time scratch their head because. All they've been saying for the last three years is, no, like, things are actually fine. And so what do you mean they're improving? Improving from what? Improving from the incredible economy that you've been insisting we have? And they would all be making fun. If the parties were reversed, they'd all be making fun of the Inflation Reduction Act. They never would have used that title on the news. No. First of all. No, they would They would have come up with some some DNC originated. Yeah, the don't say gay type. Exactly. Of, yeah. Like that. They would have they would have just I mean, it might have been something as uninventive as the Inflation Act. The um, yeah. And, and inflation hasn't been reduced. The rate has been reduced. But yes, you're basically saying the rate at which inflation is increasing has shrunk no. month over month. In other words, it's not increasing as quickly, it's, but it's still going up. It's sort it's, of like saying. Um, feel good. Your flesh-eating bacteria is slowing down in the eating of your flesh. <laughs> it's not even that. It's it's the rate at which the flesh-eating bacteria on your body are taking over more of your body yeah. to eat your flesh. Like right. it's it's still expanding. Right. Right. And so even if even if the amount of like bacteria on your body or whatever, like if if it were shrinking, they there would still be a rate at which they're. Eating. Like it's it's like a compound rate thing that we're talking about here, and so inflation is, in and of itself, an increase in something, right? It's it's the devaluing of the dollar. The rate at which the dollar is being devalued is increasing, but it's increasing at a slightly lower rate, and and now we're supposed to be excited about that. But no, this is this is a tax on literally everybody with a savings account. People often think of inflation as this abstract concept. It's very much not. If you own any American dollars, any USD. If you have them in in like actual liquid currency, like in in a bank account, you are feeling this. This is it, your your money is becoming devalued. Yeah, I mean it's it's exactly like Jimmy Carter. The difference being, of course, Jimmy Carter had high inflation and high unemployment. Yes. Uh, so Biden only has half of the Jimmy Carter equation, which is which is more common. There there is a general inverse correlation between inflation and unemployment. 
Um, the thing is, there's a lot of book cooking that's kind of going on with unemployment because the labor participation rate keeps being re redefined. Mm. Um, and people who have like dropped out of the labor force are no longer counted in that statistic. And so it's like, well, there's a lot of people that aren't working, like millions of people that aren't working but aren't looking for jobs. And that's that's not included in the unemployment rate. If you included them, uh, we'd have something closer to a Carter situation, I think. They used to always make this point under Reagan because the unemployment rate was lower. And that's the way they tried to handle it. As unemployment came down after Carter with Reagan, they would say, yeah, but if you counted all the people who aren't looking, it, 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 there was this moment, I think Brent Baker had this yesterday. I think this was one of the things that Stephanopoulos said to... Uh, uh, to Steve Scalise, which was, oh, you'll you'll use the Congressional Budget Office numbers when they serve you, but not when they don't. And it's like, aren't you in the media? Yeah, it's like, what? <laughs> don't you, you people do that? ABC News only tends to use the polls that they like. It's like their George, own polls. George, that's, that's not a teleprompter you're reading. You're reading out of the AP style guide. Those are directions. <laughs> All right. Well, the, the, the part I really thought was something else from the Sunday shows yesterday was Stephanopoulos push, push, pushing around Scalise on the 2020 election. Mm -hmm. Admit it wasn't stolen. Uh, listen to this edit of it. Makes it a little bit shorter that played on Morning Joe today. Can you say unequivocally that the 2020 election was not stolen? What I've told you is there are states that didn't follow their laws. That is what the state constitution, the U.S. Constitution requires. That's not what I asked. I said, can you say unequivocally that the 2020 election was not stolen? Look, Joe Biden's president. I know you and others want to talk about 2020. We're focused on the future. I know that Joe Biden is president. I'm asking you a different question. Can you say unequivocally that the 2020 election was not stolen? What I've told you, and you've, you've seen this, there are states that didn't follow the laws that are on their books. So you just refuse to say unequivocally that the 2020 election was not stolen? So you want to keep rehashing 2020. We're talking I just about want an answer to the question, yes or no. Threats to this country. We've asked, look, we've talked about this before, but again, will you acknowledge that there were states that didn't follow the actual state legislative enacted laws on their books, which the U.S. Constitution says they're supposed to do? I know that every that? single, I know that every court that looked at whether the election was stolen said it wasn't, rejected those claims. And I asked you a very, very simple question. Now I've asked it, I think, the fifth time that you can't appear to answer. Can you say unequivocally that the 2020 election you, was I not stolen? I told you there were a handful, there were a handful of, there were a handful of states that didn't follow their laws. The rest did. Yes or no, was the 2020 election stolen? What, what I've told you is Joe Biden's the president of the United States. So it goes on and on, and Stephanopoulos wouldn't except several times Scalia's saying Biden's the president as an answer. He accepted it fewer times than Stacey Abrams accepted the results of her election. Yes, and I'm going there. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't love this Scalia's answer where he's like, well, some of the states didn't follow their own election laws, which may be true, but it sounds like, um, and all the election machines were imported from Venezuela. You, you know, you, you, it just... well. You can you can make you can kind of split hairs there, and I think it's perfectly valid. I think that you can make the point that this election was very much tampered with in terms of uh, like states changing a lot of laws right. right before the election. A lot of state supreme courts later ruling that these these changes were unconstitutional and were not permissible in the future. And I mean that's that's essentially rigging the system a little bit. Well, I was going right? to say that's you can you can say Biden won and still acknowledge that a lot of 
insane shenanigans went on that frankly are are undemocratic well, i will say i was i was going to say it's like you can acknowledge the democrats won the game and still hate the referees i mean and that's kind of what we do here um, you can say the game was rigged, the rules were changed. Well, yeah, Mark like, Elias, I mean, this is what Mark Elias was up to, is they were trying to liberalize everything for COVID. Well, yeah, it's like it's like if, if you have two football teams, the, the rules of the Super Bowl change for one year and one year only, where field goals count double, and, and the other team is kind of like asleep at the wheel about that, right? It's it, Well, that's the other interesting part. That's kind part. of what happened. That's the other interesting part, Bill, though, is that you could make an argument that the Trump campaign didn't work hard enough. The Trump lawyers didn't do hard enough oh, and to not, change the Democrats from changing these laws. I'd go further. I'd say that the Trump administration didn't go far enough. I mean, the, the Trump even signed a bill that enabled a lot of this, this nonsense. He had terrible people advising him. Trump has often had an issue where uh, his, his good or bad policy decisions can best be explained by whoever happened to have his ear at the time. And, I and don't, you get his ear by saying he's the greatest. So that's well, difficult. Right. And, and so and so whoever I don't know if it was people who were trying to see him lose or if it was people who just for whatever reason thought, oh, this is this is tacky to care about. We shouldn't care about this. Right. He's going to win in a landslide. So do we really have to care? Or or even even people who think that talking about election stuff in general is like too kooky and conspiracy theory and just let them pass whatever, you know? Well, I think so. I'm listening to this and you can say. Uh, clearly what Stephanopoulos was doing here is I want to underline that Steve Scalise just got off the phone with Mar-a-Lago. I right. mean, that that's, yes. that's what he's trying to, that's the point he's trying to drive by by asking this question. Not five times, he said five times. It, it felt more like seven or eight. But, it, it, the, but the funny part about all of that was I would just want Scalise to say, did you ask Hillary Clinton this? Now, I couldn't find any recent, like, post-2016 Stephanopoulos interviews with Hillary. He had some during the 2016 campaign, but I don't think he's had any since. Uh, but it, Or you would just say, I would say, if I was in Scalise's shoes, oh, okay, the guy that denied that Bill Clinton was an asshound well, is going to tell me, lecture me about denying something that's obvious. And pe I mean, people forget that Hillary didn't even come out and give a concession speech that night. Right. Although the speculation is that she was blasted. <laughs> and I, I personally subscribe to that. But it was just John Podesta kind of, you know, skulked out there and was like, all right, we're going to we're going to deal with this. I don't know. Uh, so I I went back and did some Googling and tried to figure out, you know, what did Stephanopoulos do in interviews where he could have asked about election denial? Right. So you could just go back to September 17. John Carl on this week interviews Hakeem Jeffries, the House Democrat leader. There's nothing about election denial in there because he's a Democrat. He, you know, Carl mostly asked, what say you questions on Hunter Biden? Because this is the whole gun charge. Right. Which, thing. which is basically just giving giving your guests an open floor to say whatever they want. That's what a what say you question. Yeah, is. it's it's like, OK, Hunter's in the news. What say you? So they would say, see, we asked questions about Hunter Biden. No, 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 no. There was no like eight questions about admit Hunter Biden's a terrible person. That was that's not even a softball. Question. That's T-ball. Yeah, it's literally just putting the ball there and being like, all right, go ahead. Exactly. Uh, August 13, John Carl on this week interviews Jamie Raskin from the Pelosi pick panel. He's the ranking member on James Comer's oversight committee. No election denial questions. Uh, once again, Jeffries was an energetic election denier. 
uh, Raskin's been an election denier. You know who else was? You know, you know who else called Trump an illegitimate president a couple times is the uh, current press secretary. Yes, I was. I thought you were going to say the current attorney general of New York. Oh, that too. Who's yeah. prosecuting him in New York? Uh, uh, I made a video tweet this morning that this is just typical. ABC was like the New York attorney general had some thoughts, and then she denounced Trump as a terrible person and it's like there's no d there's no mention that she ran on on ran on the platform trump. of prosecuting trump right uh Which, they, I mean, they never do that that plays well in new york like you you kind of probably have to run on that platform but point is you know december 4 2022 when Kim jeffries has been historically elected to replace nancy pelosi surprise bill there is questions uh, about election denial because they George runs a clip of Mitch McConnell who's saying, well, the newly elected incoming leader of the House Democrats is a past election denier who basically said the 2016 election was, quote, illegitimate and suggested we had a, quote, fake president. So, yay, here's one occasion. Okay, well, here's the thing. They play a clip of Mitch McConnell alleging that. Right. They don't show any clip of Hakeem Jeffries saying it. They don't put any of his tweets up on TV. They don't make him respond to his own words. Oh, I've got they it. Say, they say, here's the old turtle guy. Respond to what he said about you. <laughs> Question, suggesting the equivalence there with Donald Trump. What's your response? Right. <laughs> what say you? Of course. Yeah. He go. He goes. Wow. Can you believe? Can you get a load of this guy who dares to compare you to Donald Trump? And explain why you're way better. He's shocked enough that he gives you really the standard politician answer. Well, it's unfortunate Republicans have chosen to focus on me. How's Democrats going to focus on solving the problems of the American people? Oh, uh, yeah. And wow. then this is Stephanopoulos. Very gets inventive. A, Stephanopoulos gets another half a point. But you did say history will never accept Donald Trump as a legitimate president, and the Republicans are making quite a big issue out of that. What's your response? Right. So that's two. He got two. Uh, and this was the funniest. Then Jeffrey says, well, here's the Republican playbook. Facts don't matter. Hypocrisy is not a constraint, and they believe shamelessness is a superpower. Right. Yeah, shamelessness is a superpower, says the man who refuses to answer the question about him calling the former president illegitimate. <laughs> All right. I've, uh, there's a few more on my list. January 2, 2022, George Stephanopoulos interviews Bennett Thompson, who chaired the yep. Pelosi pick panel, also an election denier. No questions on that. Just very much a classic January 6th committee interview where they would say, Mr. Thompson, tell us how you're going to destroy Trump next week. Right. What are you bringing to bear? I hope you get him. You know, so many of those right. interviews. You think, you think you've got enough ammo, Chief? That's that's basically how that stuff went. This is the study I have not done, Bill, which is all of the Sunday show interviews with members of the January 6th committee, because you know all of them had the same talking points. Of course. That's the way Pelosi set it up. Well, set it all the media, but yes. But they were. that was generally the, the standard interview was, what say you about next week? That was pretty much the standard right, it thing. Was, it was like, give, oh, can, we, can we have a sneak preview? We had one bad Sunday when Cassidy Hutchinson had messed up this hole and then Trump grabbed the steering wheel. No, actually, he was in. He, there's no way he could have grabbed the steering wheel in, in that seat? car. Yeah. And and then that Cassidy Hutchinson, you mean the lady that they had on last month as if none of that ever happened to tell more garbage lies? Yes, that's that, the one. That one? Oh, yes. wow. Interesting. And, uh, that week, though, the questions was they'd had the the Pelosi pick panelists on, and they would be like, "What happened? <laughs> that, 
what? How did this happen? How did you not vet this story? They they actually had a little bit of anger because they had they got an L, right? And they were unhappy about it. All right, here's the well, golden. I mean, fear not, Tim. There are still millions of people on Twitter in the replies to everything that we tweet who still believe Cassidy Hutchinson's story. Well, yes, and she did get a book tour that was all laud, laud, laud. Right, it's and the, so like the same thing we saw with Kinzinger last week. Right, and so like if they're embarrassed about her like coming up with just a complete nonsense story that didn't wasn't that under oath too? Nothing's nothing's gonna happen with that. Um, it, but well, yeah, I mean, still people gets... can people can get make a mistake under oath. It's not the same as if you like you knowingly. Like, oh, I forgot mangled. he actually didn't grab the steering wheel. My bad. That's <laughs> Tim. That's not a mistake. Come on. All right, so June 14, 2020, this is the golden one. George interviews Stacey Abrams. Ooh, Governor Abrams. Nothing about election denial in that. That, Okay, see, that one, that's insane to me. Because Stacey Abrams, like, we have jokingly referred to her as Governor Abrams ever since 2018. Because, I mean, she, she never accepted it. And she was, like, the queen of voter suppression did this. Republicans did this. Now, George did ask her about how was she available to be vice president that was asked oh good okay so he he hit her with some hardball and then he he did literally ask her this bill he he asked a question on whether she thought fulton county was ready for the election give me a break good <laughs> lord and also are you available to be vice president can you make time in your busy schedule of being the best person ever to maybe be the second in command in the country like, in between writing your romance novels do you have space yeah uh, oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, she writes like these disgusting romance novels. <laughs> like, like Newt Gingrich. Anyway, yes, politicians should not write bodice rippers. Um, April 14, 2019, Benny Thompson again on this week. No election denier questions then, obviously before the 2020 election. There was a little push on, will you agree that Ilhan Omar was insensitive saying some people did something? That she was insensitive. <laughs> well, he was trying to get... It's the closest thing to what he did to Scalise. Like, you got to agree that's bad. Will you agree that that's in insensitive, though? Like, George, you are ostensibly an American. Should you not also be offended by this? Uh, all right. Let's do a couple of other things. Uh, uh, Bill and I were both on Newsmax in different times over the weekend, but got asked the same question. Brian Karam, who still has a White House correspondence pass, wrote a piece on Salon.com. This was the part they read on the air went on Sunday with me, that the House Republicans offer a discount version of the apocalyptic orgasm the Holy Rollers have dreamed of for years. Yeah, I mean, that's that's in line with Brian Karam as as the guy who used to work at Playboy. I mean, Curtis brought this up during our panel, actually. The only reason that anybody's giving this guy the time of day is because he yelled really theatrically at Sarah Huckabee Sanders during one event. And CNN was immediately like, oh, my gosh, we have to we have to we have to employ this guy. This yeah, guy. they hired him. Yeah, they hired him after he was basically a menace. He's he, like he just he, he's like a junior grade Acosta. Right, exactly. He just he was doing the grand. Exactly. He's JV Acosta. He was doing the grandstanding thing. And CNN fell for it. Hook, line and sinker and gave him a position. And now Brian Karam is somebody we're supposed to care about. Like, give me a break. The guy is a moron. He writes things like that, like the apocalyptic orgasm. Like, shut up. Shut up, Brian. This I'm is, sorry. This is very much like what I this. This is the kind of stuff when people are right 
um, letters to the college newspaper. That was about the level um, of analysis. Like I used to write conservative editorials for the student newspaper in Bemidji. And the respondents, people who would respond would be like, Tim Graham's on the dark side. He's for an apocalyptic work. Yes, right, exactly. Yeah, it's it's it, he he literally is writing at a college level. The guy is not yeah. a journalist. He's not a good writer. He's he's nobody. He's just a boilerplate dumb liberal guy with progressive leanings who who for some reason any of us are supposed to pretend to take seriously. Well, and just to try to say that the Republicans, what they really want is World War III in the Middle East. This is the, that is called a bad faith argument. That let's go to let's conclude with this one. I think um, Nick Fonacaro has been following this all day. We've been following it on Twitter. Stephen Crowder was leaked. Yeah, what uh, Twitter's calling the Tranifesto, the communist Tranifesto. Yeah, that um, that tranny that shot up a uh, a Christian school back in March. Killing three young students and three teachers. Yeah, and what's, three what's leaked from that is a bunch of incredibly anti-white rhetoric, uh, talking about wanting to kill crackers and all this other stuff. Because uh, they have white privileges. Right, yeah, white privilege, white privilege. Gee, where have we heard that? Misspelled. This is, this is, this is Marxist. This is Marxism. I know, I know that you were waiting for me to say that. <laughs> that, is, that is what this is. This is race Marxism, and this is a mentally ill person yeah. Who, is, who is also transgender, but I repeat myself, who is is taking out basically taking the liberal orthodoxy to its logical conclusion. Right. I mean, it, by by that race Marxism standard, white people do need to be eliminated. Right. She's she's just taking it all the way. And I say she because this person was born a woman. I'm not doing the respect the pronouns thing. This is this is a woman who thought she was a boy. Well, somebody who kills six people just doesn't need our respect. I mean, no. No. Uh, and uh, but yeah, the note was all like these kids in their fancy quackies. I mean, she I think she meant khakis, but it was like K.W.A.K.I., at least according to the photo I was looking at. But yeah, Ugh. she also used the F-bomb for gay people. The little faggots. Oh, yeah. And it's like that's. Oh, but not not. But she's not, transgender. Not in so. reference to gay people, though. <laughs> I guess, right. I guess because they're sick. So you. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's that's sick. That, so, I mean, yeah, it's a, this is a this is a deeply disturbed, mentally ill person who got their hands on a gun and went and did political, yeah, political violence. This is, I mean, we against all children. We all know that she had to be a disturbed person. I think that was that was clear. You didn't need the manifesto for that. The interesting story here was the way that they never wanted this to ever come out, and yep. so it leaked today. And so the whole question we were asking is: Let's make sure that this is real. We're expecting the Nashville Police Department to to say it's real. Uh, we're people were already laughing because the FBI declined to comment. Well, I was actually talking to our friend over at the Daily Caller, Nicole Silverio, who called the Nashville Police Department, and they said they could neither confirm nor deny the authenticity of the things that Crowder was putting out. The the excerpts from the Communist Manifesto. And this is this is the game that gets played because you have to guess, you know, the Associated Press. CNN, the people who are supposed to be the reliable information gatherers, uh, you know, have done a terrible job at forcing them to release this. Because they don't want it to come out because they know it's going to say exactly what it says. 
I don't know. I think they I think they expected a lot of hate against Christians. I bet you the white privilege was a little bit of a surprise because she is white. It's she was all, white. That, that self-hating white. That doesn't matter at all. It's it's a it's a mentally disturbed ultra yeah. ultra liberal person. They're going to hate white people. They're going to hate males. They're going to hate privilege in general, wealthy people, and yeah, obviously Christians. There's, you know, every everything that these Marxists frame as oppressors, right? And probably Israel too, right? Let's just get that in there. Does she write about Israel? Who knows? It's probably it's probably in there somewhere. But it's it's all of all of the groups that they always frame as oppressors. She's at war with all of them. And well, how well, does she choose to do that? We can say at this early juncture that Facebook is already trying to squash it. So we're sort of in Hunter Biden laptop Disgusting. territory. Disgusting. So why what what justification are they giving? I think it's because quoting it where it's like, F you little faggots, I'm going to kill you all is like, well, that could inspire. They're violent words. Uh, you know, Dan Schneider was telling me today, you know, here at Free Speech America, if it qualifies as acceptable speech under the First Amendment, then we think Facebook and Twitter X and all of these people should just post it. Yeah. If uh, it's if it's legal, it if should it's be not in, If it's not literally calling for shooting it's not, it's not facebook publishing the thing you're just letting other people like share it and and it's it's a this is in the public interest right people have a right to know why this horrific thing happened and this is where we can say that the the media that says they're for democracy and that they're for more information we all know that yes they will crush information and uh, you know that they don't like that they think will be negative information that is inconvenient for their favorite political party and uh, yeah, and the Nashville mayor's a Democrat. So, I mean, there's probably a reason. Well, that's why Nashville PD has been tight-lipped about this whole thing. And that's that's blatantly obvious. I have no proof for that other than come on. Yes. I mean, I think that's I think that's a fair assumption considering how long we've been waiting for this manifesto. Yeah. So and, and we still they still have not released it to clarify. This is a leak. Right. Uh, but usually you would expect a leak like this is when journalists with any self-respect would say, we're going to file a Freedom of Information Act request or something. I right. imagine that's been done. Yeah, I don't know. I, I haven't don't, followed I don't, it I don't closely know what enough. Just, I, I'm positive that some conservative groups have already done that. I have no idea what the justification is, if there is, if they're, if they're just dragging their feet or what. But, I mean, reality is we haven't seen the whole thing yet. You know, we've only seen the excerpts that Crowder has put out. And now there are a bunch of journalists also rushing liberal, very liberal journalists rushing to downplay everything that Crowder's putting out and saying this gives a slanted view. He's only publishing the parts that look good for his political narrative. And it's like, OK, then how about you get in the trenches and try to get them to release it? Right. How about you get them to release some of the stuff that you're saying counterbalances whatever Crowder's putting out. But they're not doing that. They'd rather just go out on Twitter and say, nobody read this, nobody listen to this. Can we please talk about how good the economy is doing? Bidenomics, it's a, it's great. Uh, so it's a big week in that we'll have, we certainly have elections here in Virginia. We'll have election results Tuesday night. And in Kentucky, sounds like the governor's race there is now, as Dan Rather would put it, tick tight. Oh, yeah? Yes. Possible hmm. that uh, the black attorney general, uh, Daniel Cameron, might beat the incumbent Democrat. We shall see. Fascinating. And okay. then how will that affect, how will the election results affect the Wednesday night debate? Um, also, yes, to what degree will the Wednesday night debate moderators be asking about 
the tranny festo or the or the latest from Hunter Biden. The House Republicans are suggesting they're going to have more developments. What's the over under on whether Lester Holt or Kristen Welker says tranny during the? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I think I have great pessimism uh, here that some of their questions may seem somewhat objective inf informational, but but they're going to end up doing going Stephanopoulos at some point and demanding that all the candidates on stage say the 2020 election wasn't stolen. Absolutely. Abs Raise your and, hand. And, right. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. And, and well, but and more broadly, too, they're just they're not going the, to be the debate moderators that a Republican debate would want. They're not going to be hitting these ca candidates from the right. They're not going to be having them arguing like they were during the second debate over like who wants to go send people like militarized troops down to the border, mm -hmm. right? Like they're they're not going to have candidates racing to the right. They're going to be asking questions like, "Well, okay, so here's here's a video of a mother of 38 children." And she was just deported. How mean is that on a scale of one to ten? It's going to be stuff like that, yeah. right? And so this is this is not what a Republican debate needs to separate the wheat from the chaff or to help Republican voters decide who stands where on what issue. Because as far as Welker and Holt are concerned, they all stand way too far to the right on every issue. And that's where they're going to go with it. So we have a package Jeff Dickens made uh, with a video by Bill D'Agostino. Um, yep. uh, on Lester and Holt's lowlights. Holt and Welker, yeah. Or, yes, Lester and Holt. That's yeah, interesting. Lester and Holt sounds like a law firm. Thank you for correcting. The, yeah, no I was having this thought as I conclude, and that is that even Mrs. Graham noticed this morning on Channel 4, the local NBC affiliate said, and the debate moderators will be Kristen Welker, Lester Holt, and conservative talk radio host Hugh Hewitt. Oh. <laughs> oh. Only one person Not, should yeah. be suspected non of being an ideologue. Nonpartisan news people, Kristen Welker and Lester Holt. I mean, Welker, it's it, she is just a black box. Like, I have no idea what her political leanings are. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, clearly, we're going to be... Uh, Ready for anything on Wednesday night. And, and if you guys don't want to watch it, that's totally cool. Just uh, come come look at what we're tweeting and publishing about it. That's true. That is the quick and dirty. You know, whenever you want to just see, uh, you know, maybe with one eye open what the liberal media are up to, you come to Newsbusters once, twice, 24 times a day. Thanks for listening. Have a good week, everybody.